say. <clears throat> All good things must come to an end. We've all heard it. You say it. It's been around for mm, 700 years. It's attributed to a poem that was written back in 1300. And we all accept it as true. And it does hold true. It's common sense. But it is only true today. It's only true this side of eternity. It is only true in this life. But it is absolutely not true from an eternal perspective. Ultimately, good things never ever come to an end. My time here as your pastor is coming to an end. But the results of our common labor, the eternal dividends, will continue forever. And now, as my time here comes to an end, I rejoice in our common labor, our shared labor for the Lord. Today, in past days, have not been about me. It has been about our labor together in the Lord, in glorifying God and following His will as His people. For we are fellow workers. Paul said that of the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers workers. Paul says it again in the book of Philemon, verse 24, in reference to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. He says, they are my fellow laborers. And I'm here to tell you this morning that our labor, our labor together is not in vain. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We are laborers together in the work of God. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 10. God put this message on my heart several months ago. But my wife really kept it on my heart for many years because it's been one of those things that she's often mentioned to me. Matthew 10, verses 40 to 42. Three short verses this morning. They come in context here as the words of Jesus to his disciples. <clears throat> in this particular <clears throat> section, he's talking about the cost and the compensations or the benefits or the results of discipleship. And he's had much to say to them in that regard. 
But in verses 40 to 42, he winds it all up with these words that we're going to look at this morning. And the emphasis we find here in verses 40 to 42 is that we are laborers together in the work of God. And we must ask the question, well, what characterizes co-laborers in the work of God? And there are two key indications we're going to find here. And as these two reflections of true common labor in the work and service of God that we're going to discover, I see you and I see us, not separately, but together. The first indication is personal acceptance of each other. Co-laborers must have a personal acceptance of each other. Now, why is this personal acceptance so important? Well, when we accept other believers, other disciples, when we do that, we are accepting God himself. Look at verse 40. He who receives... You, says Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he who receives you, receives me. Now, the verbs here are present tense. It's not a one-time reception, but it is a continual acceptance, an appreciation of one another. He who receives you, receives me, said Jesus, and he who receives me, receives him. Who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. We accept one another because of our common relationship with God Almighty. We are part of his body. We are joined together in the bonds of the Holy Spirit who indwells within us and who has placed us into the body of Christ. And when we accept other believers, other disciples, we share in the eternal rewards that comes to us for that service. Now, let me remind you, and I I know you know this, but just for context's sake, and this is going to be recorded and seen on sermon audio and all over the world. So just for context, I know you understand this, but so that everybody does. We are not saved by our works. There's no work that we can do that will bring us the merit before God that will somehow usher us into heaven. That is impossible. All have sinned and we continually come short of the glory of God. The scripture says there's none righteous. No, not one. And that's on the the practical everyday reality of life. We all are righteous in position because of our faith, but not in reality. And even though our salvation guarantees us eternity in the presence of God, It guarantees us that we are resident in that new Jerusalem, that heavenly city. That place that Jesus is preparing for us. 
He will also, in addition to all those eternal benefits, grant to those of us, his children, rewards in addition for our service and labor in this world for him. And in particular, as we see this morning, he will do so in regard to our labor together. You see, so many, I'm afraid, have an, an opinion, a perspective that, well, I'm just an ordinary Christian. I'm just a, just a member of the church. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a deacon. I'm not this. I'm not that. And we think, well, you know, God's, God's rewards, God's blessings are for those people, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just be happy to just walk in the door. And, and that should be and is true of all of us, but you see, God doesn't overlook anybody when it comes to the rewards he will give. Now, that reward ceremony will be when Jesus comes back for his church, the event we call the rapture. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in particular, about verses 3 through 5. And many have emphasized the fact that on that day in which the rewards are given, that some will have lost the rewards they either gained and then lost or never gained. And I've heard many sermons over the years that have emphasized that as a motivation to God's people. But I want to talk about the opposite this morning. Because what we don't realize and what we don't usually take into account is that every, every deed done for the glory of God no matter how small, God will take notice of and reward. He says, when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, I'm not a prophet. I don't believe anybody is a prophet. Some would argue with me, but I don't believe there are any prophets today. I believe the, the, the prophets as well as the apostles passed off the scene when they died. They were the foundation of the church, as Ephesians 2 and verse 20 tells us. But I think Jesus here is, is speaking to those who would be that foundation. And by interpretation and, and application, a prophet, I believe, in this day and age would be anybody that preaches and teaches the word of God. We could consider that to be our connection today. Well, so whatever, whatever reward that I might have, or Brother Paul Jones might have, Brother Andy, Brother David, or deacons, or teachers, or whoever have positions that others might look up to and say, well, surely God will reward them. Maybe they have made sacrifices, they have followed His calling, whatever. But the Scripture says, and Jesus said, whoever receives a prophet in the name of a prophet 
shall receive a prophet's reward. That's amazing stuff. That means not only is the prophet, the preacher, important, but those who hear and respond to what the preacher says. Vastly important to God. Now the word receive here is an interesting word. You'll find the word receive or variations of it about eight times in these three verses. But there's two Greek words translated receive. The one used here means to, well, let's put it this way. Maybe we can show you what it means. It's just fellowship. It's welcoming another person into your life. And into your love, and into your ministry, and your caring, and and all that you do for them. Just when we're there for somebody, that's receiving somebody. The word actually means to invite someone into your home. Or invite someone into your presence for their undivided attention for a little while. It's, it's almost a, a word you could say is used on the social plane. But of course it's much deeper than that. It's when we shake a brother's hand or hug someone's neck. Whosoever receives a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. But he doesn't stop there. Notice he says again in verse 41, And he who receives a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, I don't think he's talking about the prophet here. I I think the prophet or the preacher would be included. But when he says, Whosoever receives a righteous man, he broadens the viewpoint. Who is a righteous man? Well, we already mentioned the fact that there are none righteous, no, not one, in reality, and in our Ability to do what's right. But we are all, everyone that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, are righteous by position. We have been justified, declared righteous, on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. So when you welcome another brother or sister into your good graces, when you interact with them for the purpose of encouraging them, ministering to them, or they to you. You share in the reward, and God takes notice of it. So personal acceptance of each other is vitally important. It is an indication of the fact that we are a part of each other, a part of the body of Christ. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this aspect from a song that I believe was written by Ray Boltz. He he sang the song, at least. You may remember, it was very popular a number of years ago. The song was entitled, You Gave. I'm going to share the lyrics with you. You'll, you'll be familiar. You've heard it. The lyrics go like this. I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked on the streets of gold, 
beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing. Then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And you said, friend, you, and he said, you said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus into my heart. The lyrics, I should say the, the refrain, what is it? I'm trying to, the core, I don't know how, what you call that, but the part that repeats <laughs> goes like this. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. It's not what the missionary does, not what the Sunday school teacher does, that is alone, stands alone in the estimation of the value of it, but who was reached, who participated, who shared, and who gave. You know, we, we as God's people don't give in order to get, but we certainly will get when we give. God will not overlook any of it. All good things do not come to an end. Well, there's another aspect of this exhortation that Jesus gave to his disciples we want to look at this morning. And that's what I would call the second indication. The second indication of the fact that we are laborers together. Yes, personal acceptance of each other, that's one. But number two is practical assistance. And whereas the personal acceptance was portrayed by that first picture, here's what I'm talking about when I say Practical assistance. Someone's hungry, you give them something to eat. Practical assistance is rendered in accordance with need. Why, why is that so important? Well, we see that in verse 42. As Jesus continues, he says, And whosoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his Reward. Practical assistance. What's he talking about? A cup of cold water. It's interesting, in the Greek it just says cold. 
They knew what cold was. It didn't have to add the word water to it. Jesus and his disciples lived in a world where you didn't go to the convenience store and buy a nice cold bottled water. I still sometimes can't believe I live in a world where you can do that. When I was a kid, it came out of the spigot. Or you didn't get it. <laughs> and now they charge you money for it. Too much money for it, probably. But in Jesus' day, water came out of a well that was dug with a lot of effort. Or maybe it came from a cistern or a pool that collected rainwater, in some cases from fresh water. So when he says, that when anyone gives a drink of cold water, one of these little ones. He's talking about cold, refreshing water. Cool water. You know, I don't know about you, but I like ice in my water. Sometimes. I, can, I like a nice drink of ice water. It's refreshing. But when I'm really, really thirsty, I just want a cup of cold water with no ice. That I can just, it's, it's not so cold that it, you have to stop. You can just you can just guzzle it. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> when I was a kid, we used to, every now and then, drive the 10 miles or so to my great-grandfather's house. They did not have any running water. They had a well, a dug well. They built a small back porch around. And it was the first thing my brother and I wanted to do as soon as we got in the house. Hi, Grandpa, we wanted to drink of water. And we were as fascinated by the means of attaining the water, I suppose, as the water. It was the old crank and a rope and a bucket. You had to let the bucket down into the well. And you had to crank the bucket up out of the well. And then you would take that tin cup hanging there and dip it out of the bucket, and I'm telling you, that's the best water I've ever tasted in my whole life. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Cold water from the ground. Nothing like it. Water is refreshing. But water is also sustaining. <laughs> we can't live without it. We've got to have it every day of our life. Now, you think about in, in those times, in that area, arid area of the world, water wasn't so readily available. And it was yet just as necessary to life then as now. Now, what I'm saying to you is this. A cup of cold water is not something insignificant in those terms. There's something very significant. And at the same time, anybody that was alive could give you a drink of water because they had to have that water to live, and so it was available one way or another. They had, they had dug a well or whatever. And the work and the effort and the labor and all that was done, all they had to do was just I don't know if they used buckets back then. I guess they did. Drop a bucket down the wall. 
there it was. It didn't cost anything. Just get you some water. What I'm saying is water, water is not an insignificant gift, but at the same time it is a gift that anybody could give. It didn't require having the wealth to give something good. No, it was valuable in and of itself, and anybody alive had water to give. Yet it was so essential. But when a traveler came or a friend came that traveled in a hot climate, maybe not had access to water for a while, it was certainly welcome and essential. Practical assistance. Now we can expand the application to many sorts of applicable things that people might need. But the cup of cold water will serve its purpose here. as a metaphorical expression. Now, my wife and I and my my daughter, until she got married, even after she was married, for a while, all our family has been a part of this church for, well, what seems like to me, such a short period of time from this perspective, there might have been a few times along the way I thought I'd been here a long time, but you know, it's, that's the way it is with any job. But during those these years, you have given to me and my family many cups of cold water. And for every one of them, God will take notice and give reward. And those good works those good things will not come to an end. We've got multiple, multiple cups of cold water. Some were just gifts. I remember many times in my early years before I came here, people in the little rural community I served never got to go out of town much. Some of them literally lived their lives in that county and never, never departed from it. Every now and then, one of them would get out of town and go on vacation. They'd bring me back a souvenir. It meant the world to me, just that they thought of me on vacation. Over the years, so many people have given mementos, plaques, photos. I'm not mentioning, going to mention any names here because I'd surely overlook some. So these are just in categories. I got a little kangaroo that sat in my office for many years. It was a symbol of our 50th celebration, 50 years of fellowship, as the church is concerned. And it, it was given to me after I preached a sermon because I, I use an illustration of it, that a, a kangaroo can't hop backwards at all. We've got to keep moving forward. A reminder to me. We've had received financial gifts. We've had people give us help paying medical bills. We've received help for other things that were a struggle so many times. And just just gifts. Someone just send us a little money and a card and say, 
go out and eat. Then there's been those cups of water that came in the form of a roof over our head and still coming that way. Providing a place for us maybe to stay on vacation at the beach or literally housing us during times of transition. There have been cups of cold water that came in the form of recreation like cooking us a meal. No, I'm, I'm jumping down one. Excuse me, I'm on recreation. That's the next one. Recreational things like taking me hunting, taking me fishing, inviting me to play golf, allowing me to attend a sports event and sit in the seats that somebody else had bought, or just inviting us over to play roof. Well, there's so many other things that can be mentioned, but let's move on to another cup of cold water hospitality. That's, that's the meals that so many have fixed, invited us to share, and dishes they have sent our way, and desserts, oftentimes the very things that they knew was our favorite. Still happening. Taking us out to restaurants we couldn't afford, and inter- introducing us to Krispy Kreme when we got to North Carolina. Then there's those cups of cold water that come in the way of encouragement. Verbal and written. I want to say to you, and some of you, you know exactly who you are. There's there's a few ladies in this church that are so faithful in sending out cards. You ever stop to, some of you guys, go into a Hallmark and see what a card costs these days. You could buy a book for that, or maybe a couple back a few years ago. But you know, it's not, a, it's not that it doesn't cost, but if someone takes the time to buy a card they think says something that would encourage you and maybe write a note inside. When I get something like that, I, I read every word, I hang on every word. And then there's the verbal encouragement. I was thinking this week about so many of you, you work at a job or in a career where you seldom get a thank you or good job well done or any any affirmation at all. If if you get any, it's few and far between. You and I realize, you know, I get affirmation every Sunday. I do my job and people go out the door and thank me for it. Tell me they were blessed. There's been a few times I wondered how honest they were, but I didn't. That, that usually comes after I feel like I've just really blown one, but anyway. My wife and I, uh, our family has had that, that kind of affirmation and encouragement on such a regular basis that we almost take it for granted and we shouldn't. And then there's a cup of cold water of patience. Patience with us while we learned, while I learned, and while we grew in ministry. Here, but especially in my first church, those poor people, they suffered long, I'm afraid. Then there's the gift of cold water I would call faithfulness or loyalty. Faithfulness because God expects us to be faithful and because we're faithful to Him. It's not about faithfulness to me, loyal to me, but your loyalty to Christ blesses me, encourages me. Sticking 
with me and my family when you were maybe disappointed in us or even disagreed with us. And then there's the ministry of, well, I guess I just call it ministry partnership, prayer support, teaching, serving together on committees and classes and multiple things, music. And then there's a cup of cold water of just giving. I told you how excited I was about taking the offering this morning. Your tithes and offering has paid my salary for going on 30 years and I've never missed a paycheck. I've never went on unemployment. Don't have any experience with that, neither here nor in the 40 years of my ministry. Because God's people are faithful. God knows, sees, and will reward every cup of cold water gift. But I want to draw your attention back to the Scripture for a moment. Verse 42, And whoever gives one of these little ones, you see that? It's a particular Greek word which means, or referred, was used to refer to a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi's scholars or students. I guess rabbis in those days would have some disciples, some younger ones they were training. It's not talking about little children here. Now, obviously little children could be included in the term little ones, but it goes beyond that. It's talking about anyone that seems to be, to us, not necessarily so to God, but anyone that may seem to be to us to be, well, rather a rather insignificant servant. You know, the person that's never in the limelight, the person that never takes leadership, the person whose gifts don't seem to be uh, that noticeable, the, the, the ones that just kind of are there. They're in the background. They do the little things, many of which I've already mentioned. So, the giving of a cup of cold water is significant not because it's given to the prophet but or the righteous man in general, but even to the least likely, the least worthy among us. Practical assistance rendered to somebody who you might look at them and say, well, you know, they're not really doing a whole lot to take care of themselves. They need to do a little better at this, a little better at that, but yet we give a cup of cold water even then. To the least among us, the least worthy, the least capable, the least notable. And that cup of cold water represents the, the most basic of needs. It is exactly what my prayer is that you will continue to do. is to give to each other, to the prophet, to the righteous man, and to the least of these, the little ones. Continue to give that cup of cold water. As the Apostle John said in 3 John 1 verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That will be my joy 
when I hear that, when I do. But I know it's true. I know it'll happen. And now I want you to understand that in a different way, I too will be offering a cup of cold water. My wife and I, my family, will be trying to give a cup of cold water to others whenever we can. It may not be in the same way that it has been, but I want to be there to encourage anyone I can, to help anyone I can. I want to especially encourage younger men in the ministry. And I'm going to continue to preach God's Word. I may not have a congregation sitting in front of me, but I'll want to have a podcast. And uh, I've decided I'm going to put full-length sermons on there. And uh, Brother Andy's already got that all in operation. But And, and I could do podcasts for several years with the sermons I've already got on the sermon audio, but uh, I'm going to put new ones on there. It might be once a month or whenever, but I want to continue to do what God's called me to do, and God's using it around the world. And uh, by the way, there'll be a information in the next building there how you can access all that. I'll continue to do that. In the future, I uh, might even do some interim work fill in or preach where I can, do some meetings, whatever the Lord sends my way. But one of my major goals is to write. I've shared this with you when I announced my retirement. I've got another five or six books that I'm dying to write that I'm quite honest with you, I just don't have the time to do while I'm a pastor. Even a little short book I write takes two years of time. trying to compose it and edit it and all the rest. So, my wife will be writing a book she's already started on as well on the topic of grief. And uh, I've, I've read part of it. I think it is literally the best thing I've ever read on the topic. And, and I don't have the completed copy yet. But we'll continue the best we can to also offer to others a cup of cold water. But now here's how I want to wind this up. And we've mentioned it a time or two. He who receives a prophet, welcomes a prophet, receives a prophet's reward. But look at verse 42. And whosoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say unto you, shall by no means lose his reward. And there the idea is you have a reward that God is going to give to you that will be your reward. You will share in rewards, but you will have rewards unique to you as well. And the idea behind the word reward here is that it's your personal possession. Not something shared with anyone else. You know, about once a year they have what they call the Academy Awards. They give out these little statuettes called the Oscar in Hollywood. 
And that's a big deal for the high entertainment industry. I don't personally watch it anymore because I think they ought to stick with entertainment personally. But uh, but I, I want to illustrate something. We've all seen this, and, and you whether you watch them or not, you get all the clips on the news, and you know, they these stars roll up there in a limousine and they get out wearing clothes they could, they don't even purchase. Some designer gives them to wear worth thousands of dollars. And they've rolled out a red carpet and they walk that red carpet in to the building where they're going to give out the rewards. I'm guessing here, and I'm purely guessing, that most of us have never walked a red carpet before. but I'm going to tell you something. You will. Ah, it may not be red. In fact, I think it probably would be gold. The streets of gold. It'll be even better than a red carpet. But you'll walk that red carpet, so to speak. And it's going to be amazing what God gives out in recognition and rewards. And you think, wow, you think you've been to some uh, great celebrations in your lifetime? Well, this will be a great one for me to remember. You ain't seen anything like that. It's going to be. There's going to be things that God's going to give you a reward for that you forgot about entirely. You don't even remember it. But God doesn't forget it. And so many of those rewards you don't even anticipate because they're rewards you reshare because of who you have ministered to and who you have received. And so this is my way of saying thank you for sharing together in the labor of God with me. It's not all about me. It's about us. And a good thing is not coming to an end because it'll never come to an end. And that should encourage all of our hearts.